I mean, no, God is always doing great things. Yes. Yesterday, we had our outreach over in Palm Springs. Uh, what an awesome time we had. It was, it, it was warm. It was windy. But let me tell you, God was on the move. Amen. So many lives were touched through the outreach. We got to pray for so many people. Uh, and, and we had a great time, a great turnout from our Anaheim church, from our Azusa church, our San Pedro church, uh, and, our, and our home uh, uh, church in Norwalk. Uh, so many people were there supporting uh, what took place, and we had a great time serving the Lord. We even had one person that followed us back to the church after the outreach because they just wanted more. They just wanted more, and they were so encouraged. I can't wait to hear the reports of what took place this morning in their service. Um, and I'm sure, I'm sure we'll be hearing about that as well. And, and we'll continue, they will continue to see the results, amen, of your labor. Your labor, amen. We will see the fruit, amen. How many thank God for his goodness? What a privilege it is. And Pastor, from, from, uh, on behalf of Pastor Sergio, Sister Regina, uh, and their congregation, thank you everyone who made it a point to be out there yesterday uh, and served. And I'm sure they are so grateful uh, for you being there. Amen. Hallelujah. How many are ready for the word of God this morning? How many of you came expecting God to move in your life? How many of you need God to move in your life? All right, then you're in the right place. I want you to turn me to, to the book of 1 Kings chapter 3. 1 Kings chapter 3. We're going to begin here in verse 9. I'm sorry, verse 5. We will get to 9 very shortly here, but verse 5. It says, The Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream, and God said, What do you want? Ask, and I will Give it to you. Jumping in verse number nine, Solomon replies with this and he says, Give me an understanding heart so that I can govern your people well and know the difference between right and wrong. How many know it's so important to discern between right and wrong these days? Isn't it? It's extremely crucial, church. You need, to, you need God to help you to discern between right and wrong. Everything has gotten so cloudy and so gray. God wants to bring light into what has taken place in your life, and he wants to reveal himself, amen, to you. He wants to reveal the truth. He says, for who by himself is able to govern this great people of yours, Solomon says. The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for wisdom. So God replied, because you have asked for wisdom in governing my people with justice and have not asked for a long life or wealth or the death of your enemies, I will give you what you asked for. I will give you a wise and understanding heart such as no one else has had or ever will have. As we pray this morning, Heavenly Father, we thank you. Lord, we thank you for your word, which brings direction and life. Lord, it brings healing. 
It brings restoration. Lord, we know that we are a work in progress. But Lord, we are in the hands of the Almighty. We're in the hands of the Almighty. There's no need to fear. There's no need to worry. Lord, because you have everything under control, Lord. And you are working us into a marvelous masterpiece. Beautiful utensils to be used for a special purpose, as your word says. Lord, and we thank you for the privilege. We thank you for the honor to be used for your kingdom building. For we know who we are. We know what we are capable of on our own. And it is only by your grace and by your mercy and by your strength and by your protection, Lord, that we can do what we do. Continue to use our lives. Father, help us to stay humble. Help us to stay humble, knowing who it is that has enabled us to do this work. All glory to you. And in Jesus' name we pray, the church says, amen, amen. How many know all glory goes to God? I titled this message this morning, The Pillar of Wisdom. The Pillar of Wisdom. We know a pillar is a uh, supporting or uh, integral member. We have pillars in this church not only, not only in the infrastructure, but in the seats. Amen? We have pillars in this church. You know, I think of a, in your homes, you have load-bearing walls. You can't just knock down any wall that you, well, please. <laughs> well, I don't like this wall right here. I'm going to just tear it down. You can't do that. Why? Because you're gonna you're gonna have the you're gonna have the largest skylight in your house as well if you go and do that. There's pillars, and the purpose of pillars is to hold things up, secure, stability. Solomon writes in Proverbs eight verse twenty two. He says, the Lord formed me from the beginning before he created anything else. Is Solomon talking about himself? No. He's talking about wisdom. He uses wisdom and he, he personifies wisdom. And he writes this as if wisdom was talking the Lord formed me from the beginning before he created anything else. You see, what wisdom is saying here is that wisdom says, I was part of God's magnificent creation. Wisdom is a pillar in God's creation. Proverbs even refers to wisdom as she. And the women say, all right, good. Good, you're awake. <laughs> Man, if you haven't already, start listening to the words that your wife is speaking. Start listening to her, amen. Another amen point right there, women. 
The Bible says that the words of a godly wife are wise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Right, man? The Bible also says that that she will greatly enrich your life. Mm. Don't be such a hard head. Right? You know know us. We can be hard heads. Oh, you don't know what you're saying. I'm the man. Right? Mr. Mr. Machismo. I'm the man. I call the shots around here. I bring bring home the meat. Right? (laughs) You do what I say. Come on. Now you're speaking like a fool. God says, no, no, you need to listen to what your wife is saying. She's more than just good looks, amen? She's got wisdom in her words. She's got wisdom in her words. And God says, I'm going to use her to enrich your life if you would just listen. Hmm. Wow. Solomon writes all about his vain, meaningless pursuits in life. You know, I used, to, I used to think, man, the Bible calls, God calls Solomon the wisest man who ever lived. He said, there was, none, there was none like you, and there will be none like you as wise. The wisest man, and I think, you know, for being so wise, he made a lot of bad decisions. Solomon talks about himself. He talks about all the meaningless pursuits in life. The things that he was chasing after, looking for satisfaction and looking, you know, maybe to fill that gap in his life. To bring happiness. Solomon did these things. He even, he even voices it. See, but what it says about Solomon, even though he was the wisest man who ever lived, it means that he's not perfect. Just because God gave him wisdom and understanding, it didn't make him a perfect man. You see, he still had to choose to do these things. God gave him understanding, yes, Solomon still had to choose to do it. Wisest thing Solomon did was to ask for this from God. Even God says, he says, I'm proud of you, Solomon. I'm proud of you because you could have asked for anything. You could have have asked for all the money. You could have asked for for a long life. He said you could even ask to have your enemies taken out. Some of you are thinking right now, hmm. (laughs) Don't think too far into that. But God says, I'm proud of you. You asked for wisdom. You asked for understanding. You asked asked me to help you in guiding my people. The wisest thing Solomon did, the wisest thing you and I did, was to submit ourselves unto the authority of God. That's the wisest thing you did. Amen? The smartest choice you made was to say, God, I'm yours. God, I need a savior because I've gotten myself into some trouble and I can't get out. I'm just digging this hole deeper. I'm digging deeper, Lord, and I need your help. The wisest decision. See, because all the bad decisions you have made in the past or maybe that you're going to make in the future, God says that really, that doesn't even matter. 
because you already, you already made the, the wisest decision to follow me. And yes, you're going to stumble. And yes, you're going to fall short. But guess what? God says, I'm there to help you back up. Right? You fall seven times, you get up eight, right? God says, I'm there to help you. I'm there to strengthen you. When you, when you, when you stumble, God says, I'm not going to just keep walking. I'm going to come back for you. I'm going to help you up, dust you off so that you can keep moving forward. Just like any father would do with their child, right? Isn't that what we do? I mean, what, 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 parent, what parent will look at their child when they fall, you know, a little two-year-old, and they fall, and, and you say, oh, you know what? You had your chance. You know, I'm leaving. You should have been faster. You should have learned how to walk sooner. We don't do that. We're gracious, aren't we? We're gracious. We see our little two-year-old and we say, oh, no, 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 come, come, come here, come here. Let me help you up. Let me help you up. Where is it hurting? Do you need a Band-Aid? <laughs> Kids always want Band-Aids, right? We have, we have not, a, not a Band-Aid in the house right now. <laughs> they use them all. But we're so gracious. How much more God? How much more God? And you say, well, I'm not, a, I'm not a baby anymore. That's right. You're an adult. Guess what? God still loves you. Guess what? God's still going to help you up. It doesn't matter how young or old you are. God still has a plan for your life. Amen? Thank you, Jesus, for that. You have a, God has a plan for you. See, the wisdom of this world says if it works, it must be the right thing to do. Right? If it's profitable, it's, it's the wise thing to do. How about this one? If it feels good, it must be the right thing to do. How many of us have been trapped in that crooked thinking before? If it feels good to me, then who are you to say anything? I'm happy with it. We know, sadly, that that's not the case. We search for feelings and we search for emotions. We know that when we search for things in the world, for wisdom, we know that we are sadly let down, aren't we? Paul refers to the wisdom of the world in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 20 as foolish. He says the wisdom of the world is foolish. The Bible defines wisdom as doing what is right, just, and fair. Right, just, and fair. David writes in Psalm 111, verse 10. He says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Isn't that how many of us came to Christ? You know, we didn't want to go to hell. We heard, we heard someone speaking about heaven and hell and how we were, we were heading to hell. And we thought, no, 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 no. I'm too, I'm too good for that place. I'm too pretty for that place, right? I can't go there. And they gave you the message of what Jesus did on the cross for you and I. The message of love, 
the message of hope, the fear of the Lord. You begin to have a reverent fear of God. Not where you're shaking in your boots, but where you know that you want to please him. You want to please him. Lord, I want to please you. I don't want to, I don't want to, to uh, take your words for granted. Your voice, your instruction. I remember being very nervous when we had got first sent out. You know, I didn't, really didn't know what to expect. And I was, you know, in, in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, what am I going to say? You know, what's going what's gonna to be my first message? How is it, how is it going is, is to be taken? You know, are they going to, are they going to, you know, are, are they going to throw stones at me? You know, throw food, you know, what, what are they going to do? Is anyone going to show up? That's always a big thought when you're starting a church. Is anyone going to show up? I remember the words of Paul. As he writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 1, he says, when I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, he says, I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. He said, for I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. He said, I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling, and my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. He says, I did this so you would not trust in human wisdom, but in the power of God. You see, Paul was an intelligent man. He was highly trained he was well-versed. I'm sure he had an extensive vocabulary. He can use these big words. He can confuse a lot of people. But Paul said, look, no, this is not going to be my approach. My approach to you today is to make it very simple. I want to make it very easy for you to understand. He says that what I bring to you is a message of what Jesus Christ has done for you. I don't want to get into all these, all these uh, uh, legalisms and, and whatnot. He says, I bring you a simple message and that Jesus loves you. That's that Jesus loves you and he has given you an opportunity to have a relationship with the Father. To be in right standing with God. The message of Jesus Christ. He put aside all of his smarts and instead focused on the wisdom that comes from God. Solomon writes in Proverbs 2, verse 6, For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding what does that mean that means don't don't focus don't focus on your inabilities 
Don't focus on, on what you can't do. What you think you're not capable of. Instead, focus on the wisdom that God has given to you and I. God has given you wisdom this morning. God has given you discernment. God has God given you good judgment. God has given you the Holy Spirit that dwells within you, that is constantly letting you know where you need to be and where you need to stay away from. See, doing what is right, just, and fair. 1 Timothy 3, verse 15, Paul says, The church of the living God is the pillar and foundation of the truth. The church of the living God is the pillar and foundation of the truth. That's you and I. That's you and I. That's God's children. We are the church. Look around you. Look around you. You are the church. You are the pillar. You are the foundation of truth. Amen? In a world that doesn't know the truth from the back of their hand, you are the truth. You bring the truth. Why? Because you bring God's word. And you say, let me, let, let me tell you what God says. Let me tell you what God says about this situation. Let me tell you what God says about your circumstance. Let me tell you what God can do in your life. Let me tell you what God has done in my life. Let me tell you the miracles that he has performed on a daily basis in my life. Let me tell you where I came from. And let me tell you how God has transformed my life. You speak it. You share. Because this is the God that we serve. See, wisdom equals right decisions. It's the foundation to build upon 1 Kings chapter 3 and verse 5, our text, where Solomon asked for wisdom. Give me understanding. And God, and God gave it to him. Look at what James says in James chapter 1 and verse 5. James says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. Not only did Solomon have this take place in his life, but James also reiterates right there. Ask for it. If you want wisdom, ask God for it. If you want insight, ask God for it. If you want, if you want uh, uh, the, the ability to make uh, right decisions in your life, ask God for it. He will help you. God doesn't want you to make bad decisions. He doesn't want to see you struggle and see you hurt. Yet how many of us ask? How many of us pray the prayer that Solomon prayed? See, the wisdom of Solomon brought great prosperity not only upon himself, but to those around him. It affects not only you, but your household. 
See, wisdom comes from God alone. The foundation of wisdom is God himself. No wisdom, that means that no wisdom exists apart from the Lord. No true wisdom. Doing what is right, just, and fair. You see, wisdom is closely connected to righteousness and stays away from evil. Proverbs 8, verse 12 says, I, wisdom, live together with good judgment. I know where to discover knowledge and discernment. I like to think that wisdom and, and good judgment are like roommates, right? They're, 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 they're living together. It's like that, it's like that, like that, that, that package deal. Are you living with good judgment in your life? Or are you living apart from God, apart from wisdom, apart from good judgment? Because, because you aren't involving God in your daily decision making. Because you aren't seeking his direction. You need to open that door for wisdom to come into your house. To come into your life and close the doors on the lies of the enemy that try to attack and that try to cause division, amen, in your house, that try to cause division in the, in the house of the Lord, that try to cause division in this nation. Close the door on the enemy and invite wisdom in. Invite good judgment to have, to have some dinner. Invite them in, throw a party. You'll be blessed in doing so. See, it's good to read the word of God, but it's even better to follow it. James says in chapter 1 and verse 22, he says, don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. So you could, you could listen to, to, your, to your Bible app, you know, on your phone, you know, which is good. It's good. But the main thing is to apply that into your life. The main thing is to put some action to it. Because if it's, if it's just listening, then it's just mere words. And it's not, gonna, it's not going to change your life until you actually apply it. You know, yesterday we went to Palm Springs. It was hot. If someone took sunblock with them but didn't put it on, it does you no good. Right? I got sunblock. It's in the car. Okay. Are you going to put it on or are you just going to leave it in the car? It's the same way with reading God's word. I got it in my phone. I have it in, I have it in my Bible, of course. It's in the Bible. Well, that's good. Did you put it on? Did you apply it into your life? Attaining wisdom, we learn in so many ways. One of it is observation and experience. 
Proverbs 6, verse 6, says, Consider the ways of the ant and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. We learn things through observation, don't we? The Bible says to look to the ant. You can learn something from the ant. I was working on my car the other day. I was changing the oil, and I'm under the car, and I hear some, some, some noise next to me, and I turn my head, and it's my four-year-old who managed to get himself under the car as well with me. <laughs> this is the one who likes to ask a lot of questions. <laughs> what are you doing, Dad? And it just went on from there. But what was he doing? <laughs> Once again, he wants to learn. <laughs> Whatever dad's doing, I'm going to do. <laughs> but we, we do this in life. I remember when I was a kid watching, watching my dad work on cars, and I was, always, I was always intrigued. I was always interested. What are you doing? You know, what, you know, what are you replacing this time? You know, it seems like every day, like, the car needed repairs. <laughs> what, do you, what, what broke this time? But it always, it always intrigued me. Why? Because it was at that age where you were just like a sponge and you were soaking everything in. We learn through observation. We also learn through instruction. Proverbs 22, verse 17 says, Listen to the words of the wise. Apply your heart to my instruction. For it is good to keep these sayings in your heart and always ready on your lips. I am teaching you today, yes, you, so you will trust in the Lord. I mean, that the true test of character uh, is when you are corrected. See, because we're learning through instruction. We're learning through instruction here. And one of, those, one of those key elements in instruction is receiving correction. How do we do when we are corrected? How do you respond? What do you think in your head? Do we have any, do we have any uh, ex-hotheads in this place? Where you just blow up if someone corrects you. Man, you don't know me. You don't know what's best for me. Who do you think you are trying to correct me? Just look at your own life. <laughs> right? Don't we, we say that? Come on. I hear some ooh, but no, please. Fix your own life before you correct me. <laughs> and we think these things. We've come a long way, haven't we? We've come a long way. I know God has brought me a long way when it comes to the area of correction in my life. Because I didn't receive correction too well. How many know that correction has to take its course in our life? It builds us. It builds us. God knows that it's necessary. Why? To keep us in line 
Your kid runs too close to the street. You need to correct them. Why? Because you don't want it to happen again. You don't want them to get in harm's way. And so God graciously brings us back through correction. It's a loving process. It really is. And we need to, we need to, to be slow to speak in those times. And say, God, okay, what are you showing me here? God, what are you doing with me? God, because I want to I say something back. Lord, help me to bite my tongue and to seek you after the fact. <laughs> to seek you and give it to you, Lord. And let it take its place. Let it take its course. Solomon writes in Proverbs 12, verse 1, he says, whoever loves instruction loves knowledge. He says, but he who hates correction is stupid. I mean, it's right. You ever try to correct someone and, they're, and they don't want to hear a word you have to say and, and, and they, just, they just tune you out. And you're like, oh, man, this person is a fool, right? They're a fool. They're going to end up doing something really bad. They're going to end up hurting someone because they don't want to listen. My kids' report cards have a section where they are evaluated on how they respond to correction. Even in our jobs, your evaluations, I'm sure, have a spot on there where it is grading you on how well you respond to correction. It doesn't just take place in church. It takes place everywhere. People are watching your response. People are waiting to see what you do. They see, they see pastor talking to someone. Ooh, wonder what's being said. Wonder what they did. <laughs> I hope they don't blow up. How do you respond to correction? Ask God to help us, amen. We need to ask God for help in that area there because we, we need to learn through instruction and let, and let God do what he uh, intends to do, and that's to help us. That's to help us. We also learn through divine revelation. Divine revelation, 2 Peter verse, chapter 1, verse 20, says, Above all, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding. Let me read this again because this is key. Above all, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. No, those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit. And they spoke from God. See, you and I have the Holy Spirit living within us. The Holy Spirit is going to convict you. Some of you may say, well, he's never spoken to me. No, that's just, that's just you not listening. <laughs> You're just not listening. He's speaking to you. You just choose to tune them out. 
See, because if you're a child of God and you've made a commitment to follow Christ, the Holy Spirit is dwelling within your life. So if the Holy Spirit is convicting me and he's not convicting you, then something is wrong here. Something is wrong. Because I get convicted, but, get, but then again, I have a choice. We all have a choice. Are you going to take heed to that conviction? Are you going to take heed to the Holy Spirit speaking into your life? God speaks to us through divine revelation. We need to be attentive. We need to value wisdom. Proverbs 8, verse 6 says, listen to me, for I have important things to tell you. Wisdom speaks. He says, everything I say is right, for I speak the truth and detest every kind of deception. My advice is wholesome. There is nothing devious or crooked in it. That means that when you speak the word of God, you speak what is right. You speak what is truth when you speak the word of God. It doesn't mean that we do this to tear others down, amen? God's word isn't isn't to tear down, but it's to build up. It's to build up, it's to edify, isn't it? Edification. What are you doing to allow God to use his word in your life to edify someone else? Or do we just use it as a, as, a, as a gauge or monitor to look at someone else's life? Oh, yeah, they don't line up with God's word. You know, something's wrong. You know, they're not, they're not doing this. Uh, you know, God, get them. Get them, God. Come on. Do your thing. How do we use God's word? It's sad. Proverbs 4 says to love wisdom and she will guard you. Embrace her and she will honor you. See, godly wisdom leads to the best that God has for you and I. Proverbs 1 verse 3. It states that the purpose of these wise sayings, the purpose of these proverbs is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives. Disciplined and successful lives. That means God wants the best for you, amen? God wants you to live a a disciplined and what? Successful life, amen? Not a failed life, right? He wants you to live a successful life. God wants to keep you from harm. God wants to keep you from making bad decisions in our lives. He truly does. If we would just listen. If we would just slow down. If we would just take heed to the voice of the Lord. God wants us to be blessed by making wise decisions in our lives. As the worship team comes forward this morning, the question lies, do you want wisdom? That's the question. Do you want wisdom? Are you seeking God for good judgment? Are you seeking God for 
help in governing his people. Do you seek him for help before you work in the children's ministry? Before you usher? Before you, before you serve in the greeter ministry? Do you ask for God's help? Lord, give me wisdom. Lord, give me wisdom today. Just in case, just in case someone comes at me crazy, Lord, give me wisdom. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 5 says, Sell everything and buy wisdom. It says to forage or hunt for understanding. Don't forget one word. Don't deviate an inch. Never walk away from wisdom. She guards your life. Love her. She keeps her eye on you. Above all and before all, do this. Get wisdom. Write this at the top of your list. Get understanding. Throw your arms around her. Believe me, you won't regret it. Never let her go. She'll make your life glorious. She'll garland your life with grace. She'll drape your days with beauty. Church, let's chase after wisdom. Let's chase after wisdom. Pursue her. Pursue her. Like I mentioned before, like if you were, like if you were sitting in your house and you heard, you heard the elote man go by, you're going to chase after him, right? You're going to chase after him. I need my elote. I got to have it. I got to have it. Well, how much do you need wisdom in your life? How bad do you want it? How bad do you need it? Chase after it. Chase after it. We chase chase after many other things in our lives that don't really mean a thing, that don't really change us whatsoever. But let's chase what matters. God says, chase wisdom. Chase it. Seek it. Run after it. Don't let it get away. Wisdom comes from from loving God. Comes from loving God. God will teach you to do what is right, just, and fair. As we bow our heads this morning.